Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. A guilty conscience brings a life of fear. See, what Joseph is going to do is bless the socks off of them, but the guilty conscience always causes fear. Now, why fear? The fear of being found out. See, Satan always lies. Go ahead and compromise. No problem. Nobody will ever know. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Understand this. Look at this verse from God. Be sure your sin will find you, me out. You cannot hide anything from God. If you've ever done somebody wrong and didn't admit to it, the guilt eats you up, doesn't it? That certainly was the case for Joseph's brothers. 20 years later, their collective sin and guilt still weighed heavily on them. Pastor Mark will be teaching about this incident and how universal this reaction is to mankind. You'll be learning about the result of their not telling their father the truth the sorrow he had been living with for that entire time. You'll be told the best, the biblical way to handle situations you might find yourself in, and how this all comes back to trusting God in every circumstance. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapter 42 as he continues his message, God and Conscience. There's nothing you can hide from God. So he's trying to stir them up. I know everything. Egypt, yep, you're going there. I know about silver. Back to you. That should remind you of what you did. Now watch this. They know if they're not going to do something, behind all this, Joseph is going to say, you're a spy, you're stealing, you're done. Well, look at verse 29. When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. And they said, the man who was Lord over the land spoke harshly to us, dad, and he, he treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, we are honest men, in quotes. We are not spies. We were 12 brothers, sons of one father. One is no more, and the youngest is now Benjamin with our father in Canaan. Then the man who was Lord over the land, Joseph said to us, they didn't know it was Joseph. This is how I will know whether you are honest men, leave one of your brothers with me and take food for your starving household and go. But bring your youngest brother to me so I will know that you are not spies, but finally honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you and you can trade in the land. As they were emptying their sacks, they discovered something. See, they only thought one bag had silver in it. Look at this. As they were emptying their sacks, and each man's sack was his pouch of silver. When they and the fathers saw the pouches, they were frightened. Now I'm thinking, wow, that's a big place. Not just in one, it's all of us. And their father Jacob said to him, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more. And Simon is left in Egypt. 
He is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin? Everything in my life is against me. Now, Jacob is an interesting man. Jacob is known most of his life as a great deceiver. He finally fought with God, admitted his weakness, and God restored him by giving him the name Israel instead of Jacob, the deceiver. Now, somehow he used to have history with God. He knew the blessings of God. He fought with God. But now he has no faith in God. Everything's against me. Man, I lost Joseph. You guys are going to be in trouble. I don't know what they're going to do. One of my other sons is in Egypt. Now you want me to take Benjamin? Forget it. I'm going to say this to you. That's a lie from Satan. You know what the Bible says in Romans 8, 31? It says simply this. Since God is for us, who can be against us? Since God is for us, who can be? God is not against Jacob. In fact, he's just the opposite. He's at work in his background. Jacob has no idea. In a few years, the whole family from Israel is going to go to Egypt. And God's going to grow that nation over 400 years to a, a powerful nation that will we, that absolutely just thrive. And through that will come the Messiah. You have to understand, sometimes we allow Satan to lie to us. We look at our mess. I've done this. I'm sure you've done this. You've seen messes, sickness, financial, just got laid off, and the guy next to you does nothing. They keep him and promote him. And our comment is to say, God's against me. Don't ever say that again. Now, I want you to see this statement, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it to your neighbor. Neighbor, God is not against me. Say it with me. God is, God is for me. Do you believe God's for you? Even in your circumstances? Yeah, because he's at what? He's at work in the back. Remember? Whoop, whoop, whoop. He's at work. So don't let the enemy lie to you. But we're going to do one more thing. Since you know God's for us, I'm going to ask you in a moment to repeat that with your neighbor. And after you smile at them and repeat that to them, I want you to give God a high five. Right to your neighbor. Is it okay to give a high five to God in church? Yeah. yeah. I walked out of that grave. It's a, yeah, absolutely it is. So, okay. Turn to your neighbor. Say this. And then together give a God a high five right now. Come on. Be smiling. God is not against me. God's for me. Come on, here we go. Woo! Now, you got to do it again. I watched one or two people. Oh, that's convincing. That's really convincing. Come on, here we go again. High five. Here, with your neighbor. Come on. High five to your neighbor. For God. Is he worth a high five today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, if you're visiting, relax. It's going to be okay. No. Never went to a church or a high five God. That's your loss. Amen? Amen. He's a good, good God. Verse 37, then Reuben said to his father. Now, this is one of the craziest plans in the world. They're trying to figure how to get Benjamin there. And they know dad doesn't like it. So Reuben says to his father, you may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Well, that's a good plan. Benjamin goes, he's killed, he's kept in Egypt, and now I'm going to kill my two grandsons. That's a great plan, Reuben. Let's think about it again. And trust him to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, my son will not go down there with you. Good job, big. His brother is dead. He's the only one left. If harm comes to him on the way of the journey, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. So what are they going to do? Chapter 43. 
Now the famine was still severe in the land, so that when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. See, they had no idea how long the famine was going to be. They just thought it was short-lived. Well, we know from Joseph's dream, how many years is it going to be? Seven years. But they don't know this. So they couldn't bring seven years of food, even if they did know it, back in one trip. So go back and buy us a little more food. And now Judah comes up with a plan. And Judah said to him, the man warned us solemnly, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. That's the only way it's going to work, Dad. But if you will not send him, we will not go down because the man said to us, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. And Jacob, Israel, said, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? Like they had a choice. And they replied, verse 7, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions, Dad. How are we to know? He would say, bring your brother down here. So Judah then said to Israel, Send the boy along with me, and we will go at once so that we and you and our children living here, all of our kids, will not die of famine. I myself will guarantee his safety. You, Dad, you can hold me personally responsible. If something happens to him, if I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will, be blame, I will take the blame for all my life. Wow. You can just blame me every single day you see me. You're the one. That's a hard thing to say. And look at verse 10, what he says. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned back and forth and have food. Quit trying to come up with a compromise. We know what we have to do, Dad. Let's make that decision now. Now, look at verse 11. Then their father, Israel, Jacob, said to them, If it must be, let's go ahead and do it. What choice do I have? Put some of the best products of the land in your bags. Take them from down to the man as a gift. A little balm, honey, spices, myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. See, they didn't have grain, but they had some other things that probably Egypt didn't even have. So he says, just take them. And notice what he does now. Take the double amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was first put in your bag in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. And take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And watch this. He's kind of getting it now. He sees that God has orchestrated this. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, I am bereaved. I am bereaved. So Jacob decides to be generous and do the right thing. He not only sends a little gift of goodies, but he says, look, do double the money. And maybe that will prove to this man that you are not thieves. But look at the last sentence. As for me, I am bereaved. Now, we don't understand all of that, but I thought about this a lot. It's been 20 years since he thinks, Joseph, his favorite son until Benjamin came along. Remember, Benjamin and Joseph had the same mother, Rachel. All the other brothers had different. Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. And so I thought about this. Remember the coat that Joseph had? And the brothers brought it back and had blood all over it. 
And the dead, you know who sculpt it is? Hello, there's only one person. Of course, it's Joseph. He's dead, and he's just, he must have died. Some animal got him. I thought about this. Maybe Joseph in the house hung the coat. And every morning when he get up, he'd look at the coat. Now, what kind of life is that? Now, when we have a close loved one die, father, mother, kid, son, relative, whatever, we all mourn. It's biblical to mourn. You should mourn. Because we hate missing them. But at some point, you have to what? Go on with life. That's not harsh. That's real life. We're all going to be there. And you understand that. So I'm thinking to Jacob, all he can think about is Joseph. So there's a time to mourn, and there's a time to go on. Now, one of the things that helps us really go on is if the person that's close to you has died, a Christian, and they're going to heaven. Because see, a Christian... Never says goodbye to another Christian. Can I hear an amen right there? Did you get what I just said? We're going to be in heaven together. Lord, help us. All right, now. Here we are. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver, and Benjamin also. And they hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with him, he said to the steward of the house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, prepare dinner. They are to eat with me at noon. And the men did as Joseph, the man did as Joseph told him, and they took the men to Joseph's house. Now, you would think these guys are going, Oh, this is going to be good. But see, they don't understand everything that's happening. Where is they taking us to? Look at verse 18. Now, the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, We were brought here because of the silver that was put back in our sacks for the first time. He's going to attack us and overpower us, seize our slaves, and take our donkeys. The next thing I want you to write is this. A guilty conscience brings a life of fear. See, what Joseph is going to do is bless the socks off of them. But the guilty conscience always causes fear. Now, why fear? The fear of being found out. See, Satan always lies. Go ahead and compromise. No problem. Nobody will ever know. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Understand this. Look at this verse from God. Be sure your sin will find you, me out. You cannot hide anything from God. So why live in guilt? Someday it will be found out. And there's just fear in their lives. When? Who? How is it going to come? Will it be in the newspaper? What happened at work? Oh, my goodness, what a miserable way to live. Better repent and get on with life. Now, look at verse 19. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. Please, sir, they said, we came down here for the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks, and each of us found his silver, the exact amount, the exact weight they gave us in the mouth of his sack. So we brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put the silver in our sacks. And watch what the steward says. It's all right. He said, don't be what? See, he could see they were fearful like crazy. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver and then brought out Simeon, uh, Simeon out to them. The steward answered, we don't really know what it says. But somehow, remember, all the people in Egypt were worshipers of many, many, many pagan gods, except for Joseph. And so somehow Joseph must have talked to the steward about his true God, the right thing to do. What a joy to see what's happening. Now, verse 24, the steward took the men into Joseph's house 
gave them water to wash their feet, custom in those days, provide fodder for their donkeys. And they prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. Now, when Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought in the house. And they, hello? Now, this is even more a fulfillment. How many of them are there now? Eleven. And the only one that can't bow down is Joseph, and they don't know he's Joseph. But the 11 of them bowed down exactly as God said. And they bowed down. And when you see that, before him to the ground, God's dream was fully fulfilled. And he asked them how they were. And then he said, how was your aged father? It's been a while. You told me about, is he still living? And they replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed low again. Joseph could have said, okay, we've done it three times. That's enough. I I get it. And they bowed down low to pay him honor. Verse 29. As he looked about and saw his brother, Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. And deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out of the room and looked for a place to weep. And he went into a private room and wept there. Can you imagine how emotional this would be to see your family after 20 years and to see Benjamin? See, that was that fulfillment because eventually Jacob's going to bow down. That was the fulfillment that God had a plan. That big picture is opening up now. It's like HD for Joseph. Wow. I went through all of this for 20 years, but look what God's doing. Verse 31. After he washed his face, remember I told you he had to wash because the mascara came all out. And you ladies know that. He came out and controlling himself. He's going to try to get a hold of himself because you don't give, him, give himself away if he doesn't. And he said, serve the food. And they served him by himself. So Joseph's going to eat by himself. The brothers by themselves, they're going to eat their own table. And the Egyptians who ate with, with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that's detestable to the Egyptians. So we have kind of three tables of people, Joseph, the Egyptians, and now Joseph's brothers. Verse 33, and the men had, had been seated before him in the order of their ages. From the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. He said, well, there's nothing in astonishment. They came in, they showed him their social security guard, and here's your birthday. <laughs> he did, they just took their birthdays and wrote them down and put them in that order. There ain't none. The Egyptians don't even know who these guys are. And they align them up in the order from the youngest to the oldest. Is God at work? Yeah. And they're going... Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. See, God has a sense of humor. I mean, they're trying to figure out how in the world do you get to. I was looking at some website. It says like a million to one to get it like that. A million to one is nothing to God. He just arranged them the way they should be. But that's not the end. Take a look at the next. God has a great sense of humor. When the portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else. Now, when you think about that, this is another test. What was one of the things that they hated about Joseph? He was the favorite son. They were what of him? Jealous. 
Okay, ever been to a fast food restaurant? Yeah, you just get the little order through the window, that's it. Now, when you go to an all-to-eat, what do you get? Many trips to the plate, to the place as much as you want. You ever see people in there? <laughs> and you want to say to them, you can go back as many times as you say, what is wrong with you? You're never going to get to the bottom. So here, here's Benjamin's plate. Woo! What's the test? Will they be jealous of Benjamin like they were jealous of Joseph? What's it say? Look at the rest of the verse. They ate and they drank and they enjoyed themselves together. They passed that test. So a few good things are starting to happen. See, God knew how to bring them to this place. Little by little, God is using Joseph to bring them to the one thing they have to do, repent. And as we move through the story, you'll see amazing changes even in the brothers. If you have a guilty conscience, you feel guilty about something because you know it was wrong. Now, other people may not know, of course, but you know. When we sin, Satan wants to condemn us. I told you that all the time. Be prideful. Nobody will ever find out. Forget it. But when God convicts us lovingly, it's so that we can repent and get rid of that guilty conscience. Here's a simple picture for you. This is a picture, just an idea, from somebody who has a guilty conscience. We all can relate to this, every single one of us, because we've all done things wrong, and hopefully not for 20 years, but we refuse for a little while to repent and ask forgiveness from God and the person. But look at this young man. See, a guilty conscience, you feel weighed down. When you get up in the morning, and you've sinned, and you haven't repented, It's like you have a backpack of the heaviest weights in the world on your back. And it's a miserable day. There's no freedom. There's no peace. There's no hope. In fact, you're fearful of all kinds of things. Will today be the day I'm found out at work, in my marriage, with my kids, or whatever it is? See, this is not how you want to live. This is called existing. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. But you, I, have to first repent. It's the very first thing that has to come into our minds. Do you believe that God wants you to ask him to forgive so he can restore you to freedom? Do you believe that? Yeah. He knows what the right thing is to do. But to do that, I can't be prideful. If he puts into your mind something that you haven't forgiven or you have held, you know you did wrong, and it may not be against a person, it may just be against God, just ask God, you know, that was wrong. I confess my sin to you. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about Joseph's reunion with his brothers. You learned about the power of forgiveness, about being able to keep the memories of hurts from affecting you going forward you were able to see where God's plan to save Israel as a nation, which began years before, was starting to come to pass. You learned that these principles God displayed toward Joseph's life apply to you too. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Well, that wraps up Pastor Mark's teaching God and conscience. Next time, you'll begin the message, God is in control of our lives. You'll be speaking about what happens when God tests you. Using the story of Joseph and his family, Pastor Mark will talk about what behavior is expected from someone who is truly repentant of their wrongs, how they act, and what they say as a result. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team, your lessons for living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. Together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.